Turn to Isaiah 35, go to verse 6. How many ready for the word? I just love when they turn on the lights. I can see you and you make me get happy when I see you. Amen. And good to see all of you on our online campus. Amen. We love y'all. Well, we've been in Isaiah 35. We've been talking about the oasis. And you got to remember when Isaiah is writing this, remember he's looking forward to Messiah, Jesus Christ. And when he's looking forward, he's also pronouncing the judgments that God is bringing on the people of How many know we're spiritual Israel when you give your heart to Jesus? Did you know that? We, have, we are grafted in as sons and daughters. So when he's talking about this, he's talking about the judgment that is coming on Israel. But in the middle of it, he starts talking to them that the desert, not just what's happening to them nationally, but it's more their relationship with God you are in such a desert because you're not turning to God. Judgment is coming. But he said, in that desert, it's going to become an oasis. He's looking forward to Messiah. How many know we were in a spiritual drought without any hope? But now we're looking back to what Jesus already did. He is our oasis in the desert. And then he says, the desert, when you receive him. He's going to make the desert, it's going to be glad, it's going to rejoice. He says, start, he's going to strengthen the tired hands and the weak knees. He said, he's, he's going to say to the fearful, he says, be strong, stop being afraid. And he says, here's what he's going to do, he's going to come and destroy your enemy. How many know he destroyed and crushed Satan under his feet, under our feet on the cross? He said, and then the blind eyes will see, the deaf will hear. So we're discovering that Jesus is our praise we're discovering that Jesus is our peace. We discover that Jesus is, he is our defender, he's our protector, and he's our physician, our healer. But then look at what 35, verse six says, and Pastor uh, Dr. Brian Ledbeck covered this last week. We're gonna go back to it again. He said, springs will gush forth in the wilderness. Streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool. Springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where the desert jackals once lived. He says all of that growth, when he talks about the spring crocuses, all this, all this growth, all this development is because there is a stream, there is a river, there is water in your wasteland. If you're spiritually dry, get ready to take a big drink from the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're getting ready to get soaked this morning. Amen. And you can be seated in the house of God. I appreciate, how many appreciated Dr. Brian Ledbeck's teaching last week? Wasn't that just, ah, man, it was awesome. By the way, I see all of our young people sitting over here. They were at a youth convention this weekend, and it looked like y'all got blessed. Did y'all get blessed at youth convention? Did y'all get blessed over there? Amen. Are y'all too tired to make a little noise over there? Come on. You're pa you're <laughs> your pastor's 61 years old and do better than that. Come on, you're teenagers. You still got energy. Come on. Did you get blessed this weekend? Amen. I like it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
But he talked about the streams and the rivers. He showed us through scripture that in the Old Testament, it was not just about salvation, but that the streams and the rivers were a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit that would come to the believer. So Isaiah, remember, and the prophets, remember this, they're looking forward in the Old Testament to what Jesus would do and what Jesus would bring. But we are now looking back to what Jesus did and what he is doing inside of you. The problem is too many people don't see that. But how many of you know, as he pointed out last week, the day of Pentecost, when 120 believers were in that upper room. Do you remember that? Jesus told them, 500 people saw Jesus ascend into heaven, and he told them, go and wait for the promise of the Father. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, that river, that stream, he says, wait for the promise of the Father, he said, which I told you about. And do you remember those 120, they were already saved, that Jesus Christ, his blood has already been shed, they're already born again, but he said, there's another experience waiting, waiting for the followers who love me. It is the infilling of the power. Everybody say power. The infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you read the Acts chapter 2, you remember it very clearly. He said, when the day of Pentecost was full of come, they were all in one accord. They were in that upper room. Then suddenly, all of a sudden, a mighty rushing wind filled that upper room. Tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each one of them. And they all begin to praise God in a heavenly language, speaking in other tongues. And even people who had never learned another language were speaking in a language glorifying God that they had never learned. But yet there were people from all other nations hearing them testifying and glorifying Jesus Christ. They were prophesying about Jesus Christ. 3,000 people got saved that day. How many of you thank God he has not stopped filling his people full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, not everybody buys into it, though. Uh, every church, every, every Jesus follower ought to buy into it. The devil's trying to explain it away to them. But there are people who we're not that excited about it. In fact, the Bible says they started making fun of those believers. They started making fun of them. And look what Acts 2.15 says. It says, the disciple Peter got up, had to stop everybody. He said, let me explain this to you. And I'm not showing you all the scripture, but you read it. He stops everybody. They're being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Another experience after salvation, they're receiving this. And the disciple Peter almost stops everything to give explanation to the cynic and to other people that are around. Now, let me explain something to you for a moment. You will never hear me apologize for the power and the move of the Holy Spirit in this church or in my life personally. I don't care if I look like a fool. I don't care if I don't look cool. I think I look pretty cool this morning, but I'm still. I don't care. But don't get cavalier spirit-filled believers that we don't owe people an explanation for what we are encountering. You don't owe anybody apology, but you better be able to explain it from the word of God. And they almost stop to say, let's teach you about what's happening. And look what he says. These people are not drunk as you suppose. So I'm going to tell you, there's absolutely something different that happens to a believer when they get filled with the Holy Spirit. I think joy is definitely one. It's, how many of it's happy hour at Graham Rapids first this morning? Amen. Yeah. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine. It's only nine in the morning. That's way too early to be drinking. 
No, watch this. Now he's looking back. They said there were streams, but now disciple Peter is looking back. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Remember, they're looking forward. We're looking back. He says, by, your, by, by his stripes you are healed. We look back in 1 Peter. By his stripes you were healed. See it? Forward, backwards, forwards, backwards. Telling you, reminding you what you should be expecting and believing from God. Now watch this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on the assemblies of God alone. I will pour out my spirit on what, everybody? All people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, when we say prophesy, you know, some people think that's foretelling. There is a part of the word of knowledge. There is a part of foretelling. But we, 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 when we think of prophecy, we think, oh, no, this guy's going to come out with a long silver beard, long hair, crooked finger saying, just say it to the Lord, you better get straight, you know. Prophecy is about 5% foretelling, but 95% telling forth. What they did when they came out of that upper room, even when they hadn't been taught that language, they were declaring the glory of God and pointing people to Jesus Christ. Prophecy is about you having the boldness to start telling forth the glory of Jesus and who he is by your lifestyle and by your words and the way you live. Watch this. Is that okay with y'all? He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. I'm still seeing visions. Yes. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men, and do you know how big this was for women in that culture? That the power of God would start using women in a profound way? This is what the Spirit's saying. Even on the women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. They're going to boldly declare who Jesus is, and lives are going to be trained. And guess what happened? 3,000 people get saved that day and join church. Another time you see 5,000 people get saved. God is using, he is. How many just thank God that Jesus has always been equal opportunity? For any hungry Jesus follower. In fact, Jesus promised this. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit was coming to the believer. Look what he said in John 14, 16. Just walk with me for a second. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, what's the word there, everybody? Say it. Advocate. Who will never leave you. I'm never alone. He will never leave you. He is, well, who is this advocate? He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, it, yes, there's metaphors used in Scripture. He's water, he's river, he's fire, he's a dove, he, he's a bird, he's a plane. No, let me tell you what he is. Those are all metaphors, but I'm telling you, he is a person. He's a part of the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in one. He is a person. The Bible tells me that he can be grieved. He has a personality just like you and me. He can feel rejected. He can feel accepted. He is real. He's actively living inside of you when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to send this advocate, and he will never, ever leave you. I'm going to be with the Father, but I am sending the power of the Holy Spirit, who is also your advocate. Everybody say advocate. 
In the Greek, that, that word there is parakletos. Parakletos, it literally means a consoler, an intercessor, a comforter. He said, this is what he does. The word para means alongside, and kletos means, means to come. So it means that he literally comes alongside of Sam Reifkogel and the hungry Jesus followers in this room and those watching online. He literally comes alongside, and he says, Sam, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you the ability to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and not just your English normal language. He says, I'm going to come alongside you, Sam, and I'm going to give you power to be a witness for me, not just when you're up there teaching people on Sunday, but in everyday real time when you're out in the marketplace. He says, Sam, I'm going to come so close to you that you're going to know exactly the will of God for your life to order your steps. I'm going to deal with every detail you allow me to come into. He says, and I'm going to comfort you when you're at the lowest point of your life. I am going to be water in the wasteland when people are losing direction, when they have no power, when they've lost it all. I'm going to be the power that flows out of you like a river of living water. Now, I'm going to tell you something, friends. He didn't just come alongside you. He is in you when you give your life to Jesus Christ. He is that paraclete. He's not just my praise. Come on. He's just not my peace. He is not, he, listen, he is just not my physician. He is my paracletos. He is my paraclete, my advocate. Right now, Jesus is standing before the Father right now on Sam Reifko's bath. He said, in fact, I am at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. It means that he's not up there praying. It means he's an attorney saying, let me tell you something. You got to do the just thing for Sam Reifko because he came under my blood. I paid the price. He's not good enough. The boy has blown it a lot of times. But because of my blood, because of my authority, what I did on the cross, I'm coming before you, Father, right now. How many thank God the Holy Spirit's not just alongside you? How many know the power of the Holy Spirit is in you when you get saved? Can somebody say amen? Now, on the day of Pentecost, they were all born again, but there was something distinct that the power that the Holy Spirit wanted to release into the believer. And this is what every Jesus follower needs is the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. Power. Now go with Acts 1.8. Look at the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus said. He said, first of all, you need to have this and don't you even leave till you receive this, he told him. He said, but you will receive, can, you, can everybody say, even at home, can we all say that word together? But you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Watch this, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that word witness is not just to be bold to proclaim Jesus. The word there is actually martyr or martyrus, a martyr. See, he will even give you power when you're being persecuted. He will give you power when you're going through life struggle and Satan is martyring you, attacking you, coming against your money, your family, your marriage. He says he will be the power to see the glory of God displayed in those tough things. Now look at that just for a moment. Look at this for a moment. He says he would be your power. The word power there in the Greek is actually the word dunamis. It's a distinct different power. It's just not like power energy. It is dunamis where you get the word dynamite. Now how many know on 4th of July there's a lot of noise? But I can tell you when I hear a stick of dynamite go off and when I hear a firecracker go off. That means that there is something distinct in your ability to take on life 
when the Holy Spirit gets on you. There's a different level of joy. There's a different level of power. And he says, you need this power, Jesus said, if you're going to take on life. I love Dr. Brian last week sharing all those things. And if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it, of the, the benefits, the things that God gives you with that power. But I want to give you a couple more that I want to just lay on you for a moment. And I'm also talk about speaking in tongues. I told you, I don't ta- I'm not afraid to take on anything. So I'm going to talk about speaking in tongues. okay. Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. I know there's some wacky people out there you saw speaking in tongues. Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. It's kind of like the two guys in a bar, Frank and Joe, sitting in a bar. Frank looks at Joe. He says, my wife been going to this church. She's been coming back different. And they've been talking about that speaking in tongues, Frank. Frank looked at Joe. He said, really? He goes, well, he says, what do you think about it? He said, well, I think it's of the devil. Frank looked at Joe and said, well, Joe, that can't be of the devil or you and I'd be speaking in tongues. <laughs> I just, I just, but I will deal with that. I know people make that the biggest part of the priority, but I, you're not going to, you can't, you, you, you got to understand why it's there. So I'm going to deal with it just a little bit. I can't go in depth. But I, I'm going to get in and just touch on a little bit of things. But let me just tell you, first of all, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, when you ask God for the infilling power, the releasing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, let me tell you what, it's power for building. God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow not just in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but in the power of Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus Christ. The reason the Holy Spirit comes, and I'm going to give you all scripture, is to testify of Jesus. The reason why you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not to perform miraculous signs and wonders or just operate in the gifts. It's not just to pray for people to get healed. The reason you want the power of the Holy Spirit is not so you can speak in tongues and shandai the wallpaper off the wall. The reason you need the power of the Holy Spirit is to reflect Jesus Christ and his glory be displayed. That is the purpose. But look what it says. Jude 20, in the message, I want to say just for a little bit of clarity, look what it says. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up. This is not an arrogance. This is not about building myself up a pride. Don't, that's not the interpretation there. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. When you study that in the Greek and you see the word pictures there, the word build up is actually an architectural term there. It means that you are to expand and to increase the dwelling that you need to build out. You need to add on to the house. The problem with some believers are some of you are still sitting in church. You have not won one person to Jesus Christ in your whole time serving Jesus Christ. You've not grown in maturity. And what's happening is, is you're staying in the structure that you had when you first got saved, and you're not expanding in ministry, you're not serving in ministry, you're not witnessing to people, you feel embarrassed, and you mark it off as not being my personality. When it has nothing to do with personality, God uses the personality he gave you, but you're not expanding and building out. He says, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you start expanding. When you're in your dating life, Pastor, I don't know, why, why, why all of a sudden do I always get sexually promiscuous when I'm dating? And, I, and, and, I, and, and, and I'm coming to Jesus Christ. He says, you need to start praying that God starts building you out to start standing against the temptation to start dealing it. It's if, come on, you got, we got business people in here that you want your business to grow. 
So what are you doing? You're looking, you're seeking. How do we expand? What do we need to do? This is what he's saying. Too many believers are not expanding their growth. But when you start tapping in the Holy Spirit, you start growing and building in ways that you never dreamed you could ever done in your marriage, your home, your life, that the glory of God can be seen. How many of you want the power to build by praying in the Holy Spirit? Some of you still haven't figured out what your career path's supposed to be. Pray in the Holy Spirit. He'll even help you with your career path, what you're called to do. Now, you say, Pastor, if it's a powerful building, then how do I pray in the Holy Spirit? That's something the power of the Holy Spirit gives you, is the power for praying. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about why we pray in the language and why the Bible talks about it. I'm not going to talk about anything that the Bible doesn't tell you to do. I mean, when everything Jesus said you could have. So you find this repeatedly in the early church, our early brothers and sisters in the early church when it began. And you see that they were not just praying in their natural English language, but the Bible teaches us that they prayed in tongues. Now here's the deal. As I talk to you about this, I can't get into it because we don't have all the time. This is something we do in a Thrive or something on a Wednesday night. Don't forget Thrive, man. We are learning about the power of the Holy Spirit operating in us. There are two types of tongues that you see in the New Testament as even Paul gave direction to the early church, the new believers in the church of Corinth. And if I could put it in two things, if you're doing your, your app notes, just put it in there. are two types. One is for private use between you and God and one for public use when God wants to use it for interpretation in a corporate setting like this or in a small group or in your family's home's devotion. There's two types of it. One is for public and one is for the private use of intercession from your spirit to God's Holy Spirit to pray the will of the Father. L- let me show you just a little bit of it. Here's what Paul said. This is private use. Because see what happens if you confuse the two, you're going to take what's supposed to be in the public and you're going to translate over to private and you're going to mess yourself up and everybody else up and then think it's not for you today. Because Paul says, you know, uh, uh, does everyone use a tongue? Well, he's talking, and the answer is no, because it's a rhetorical question regarding the public time when we're together that not everybody's used to give a message in tongues and then to be interpreted. That's the public use. And so they were trying to take it over into the private use that means, well, some of us just not be able to pray to God in the language of the Spirit. He says, no, I pray. He said, I pray all of you pray in the Holy Spirit. So let me show you. He talks about private. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14 too. I, that's, I didn't want to get too deep into the, the weeds there. But look at this. Let me show you this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 too. You still with me, everybody? All right. Okay. So he says, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, watch this. This is private. You will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened what? Personally. This is the private use of the Holy Spirit. And the reason he was telling the Corinthians that is because all of them started just speaking out in tongues because the private use and people that were walking in were going, these people are nuts. They're just speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. And they're going, no, 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 no. He says, not everybody's used for that. But every one of you 
as you're speaking tongues can be used in the private. Some are used in the public manifestation of it, and you can be, but not all are. Now watch this. So then he says, what this does is, is when you pray in the language of the Holy Spirit, that unknown tongue, I call it the prayer language, that communication between you and God privately, it benefits the one who is speaking. So when I pray privately, it's benefiting Sam Rifkogel and Sam Rifkogel alone. It's building me up and I'm communing with God to fill my spiritual tank. Okay, but then he talks about the public. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 14, 27. He goes back and forth. He says in verse 27, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about when people are gathered together in a group setting. No more two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. This is for the corporate use. It's for... It benefits the hearer this time, those hearing, not the speaker. Watch this. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. How many thank God that the Bible has a lot of great order in it to help us so we don't go nuts? Amen? And that's what some of you get hung up with, all those nuts. Well, listen, light draws bugs, okay? It just happens. Amen? But why is this so important? Pastor, why is it so important for me as a Jesus follower to desire that private intercession? Everyone should desire that private communion of the unknown tongue and praying in the spirit. Why is this so important? Paul says something in Romans 8, 26 and 27 that I think is very important. He says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our what? Weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. How many have ever been in a situation you go, I don't know how to pray on this one? Have you ever been there? I, I just don't, my kid, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Job career, I, I don't know. You're graduating from college. I, I've got a degree, but I, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if this person I'm supposed to marry. That's a real, you really want to pray in the Holy Ghost on that one. Because you're stuck forever. Watch this. He says, you don't know what to pray for. But the Holy Spirit, watch this, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That means it is not your normal, natural language. They're different words. It's the words of the Spirit. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I'm going to tell you, there are times when I pray something that I am praying out of Sam Reifkogel's soul and not out of my spirit. It's something that may be noble. It may be something where I'm going, yeah, I really believe God wants me to have this. But God is saying, Sam, you need to stop praying from your mind. You need to start praying from your spirit, the deep within you, to start connecting with the deep in the Holy Spirit. You need to go bypass your soulish, mind-willing emotions and pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit knows exactly what the Father wants to release in your life so you're not fighting against God. You are working with the Holy Spirit, and God is releasing his perfect will while you are praying in that language of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of praying in tongues. You know another reason I like praying in the Holy Spirit? Because it just messes the devil up. It trips him out when I pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm serious. It trips him out. Let me ask you this. How many of you are married to someone 
that when you go to their family, they have another language that they speak beyond your English language that you only know. How many have family members like that? Don't you hate it? Because anytime they all start speaking that foreign language and their eyes cut at you, you know they're talking about you. And then they all start laughing and you know they're talking about you. And you start checking your hair, you're checking your nose, you're looking in the mirror, you're just going to, you know they're laughing about you, you can't figure it out. So now you create all this stuff in your crazy mind. Well, they're out to get me. And when they're really saying is, we're so glad you married her. She really fits with the family. But now you're tripping out because you don't understand what they're saying and you're confused because you don't have a clue. Do you know how wars are won? You watch any strategic warfare that occurs, what is the very first thing that they destroy? Command and control communication. They will find it, they'll put out the satellite, they'll bomb that one thing that brings up so all, as good as their army is, as great as their weapons are, they are useless because there is no communication. Can I tell you something? There is a spiritual Holy Ghost strategy when you start praying in the Spirit and you transcend your English and you start praying in the Spirit, you go to a realm where the devil has no control, God blows up his command and control system, he has no idea what you're praying and the Spirit of God starts praying the direct will for you and releases it. How many of you believe it's time to destroy the enemy just by praying in the Holy Spirit? He didn't have a clue. Friends, I'm telling you something. This is why Brenda, she married into our family and she knows every time they start speaking Dutch, I know they're talking about me. <laughs> Brenda goes, it's a given. I'm telling you, when you pray in the Spirit, your enemy is totally being destroyed. Okay. Well, pastor, can I really have this? Yes, the promise of the Spirit is for you. Everybody say this, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for me. Say that. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for me. Do you know why? Because Jesus promised it, not the charismatic movement. Look at Luke eleven three thirteen. Jesus said, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who do what? Just ask him. Ask him to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to show you that this promise is real. I'm going to theologically show you something. Now, again, we don't have time or I just bring in lunch today and we'd all stick around for a while. But this is something like we do in Thrive. We can break it down even more. But I want to show you something theologically that I guarantee you no theologian will argue with me on this. I don't care who they are. If they're any kind of person that has a study, understand the Bible, you cannot disagree on these things. In the New Testament, there are three distinct baptisms that constantly reoccur. And I always preach this because people need to see this theologically. Because you build things on word, not on somebody's personal experience. There are three distinct ones. Here they are. The first one is what we call the baptism into the body of Christ, and that's when you get saved. You become a son, a daughter of God through Jesus Christ when you're born again. Those of you who did that today, guess what? You are now a part of this big old family called the body of Christ. Welcome. Welcome. I know, I know, you're looking down the row at one person you know going, that is in my spiritual gene pool? Yes. Yes. 
You're baptized in the body of Christ. Secondly is water baptism. Very clear in the scripture. Without a doubt, you cannot argue it is there. Where people follow Jesus in his command, where he told them to be water baptized, where you, after you get saved, you go down into that watery grave like Jesus Christ, and you come up, that resurrected new life that the old man, the old woman of sin is now broken because of the blood of Jesus and I'm resurrected as a new person in Jesus Christ. And it was a command of Jesus. And some of you who've given your life to Jesus, if you've never been water baptized, just go to the app, sign up for the next water baptism and put it in the devil's face that I'm buried with Jesus but I'm resurrected to new life in Jesus Christ. And the old is broken and the new is here. Okay? Water baptism. And then the third one is is the baptism in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I could take you through scripture after scripture, but here's what I want to do. I want to take you to the day of Pentecost when it first happened especially, okay? Acts chapter two, verse 37 says, everybody's looking at they're just, people are just going, man, this is weird and bizarre. Guess what? It always points to Jesus. And look what he says. Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent. Repent. Come back to God through Jesus Christ. And he points them all back to Jesus Christ. Repent. What is that? That is baptism into the body of Christ. That's salvation. There you go. You see it right there. Now watch this. Then he says, and be what? Baptized. Baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He's talking about that water baptism like Jesus. Repent. Be baptized. Now watch this. Now look at the third thing. Watch. You see it. It's there. And you, they just experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will receive the gift. There's a gift of power. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is Holy Spirit baptism in his power. Watch this. And then he says, for this promise, he's saying what you just saw happen here right now, 3,000 saved. You're making fun. But he said, this promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God shall call. Friends, Jesus has not stopped calling sons and daughters to himself, and he has not stopped pouring out his spirit. How many believe he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he wants to save you? Follow him in obedience to water baptism, and follow him in obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there were some people who were baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit right after they got saved and got water baptized later, Acts 10, verse 44. You see that. But you see this constantly, these three baptisms. Now, listen closely. Some Christians, some of you have been coming here, you say, what is it that's so dynamic and different here? It's not the air conditioning. It's not the LED panels or the sound system. What is the difference is allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to operate in our lives. Some Christians believe that only all I need are two baptisms and that's all I need. And the reason you think it's only two is because that's someone's never taught you that all three are there throughout Scripture. It is there. So hold on. You say, well, isn't that all we need? Do you know that through the book of Acts that more people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with that power and began to praise God and pray in the language of the Spirit, a whole bunch of them after the Acts 2 experience. You go to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts, verse, Acts chapter 19. Now let me show you just real quick. Now I talk fast and loud to excite. I talk slow and I educate. So listen close to this. The book of Acts, when you read it, first of all, it has no conclusion. That means we are the ones finishing up the chapter, chapter 29. 
It's the only book without a conclusion. We are finishing it because it's not done. It didn't stop there. Do you know that the book of Acts was not a book, okay, chapter one was month one, chapter two was month two. Do you know that the book of Acts actually covers several decades of our brothers and sisters in the early church? Do you realize that? Decades. So people say, well, it was all just for that one moment. No, it covers decades. So I want to take you almost 10 years, maybe almost 15 years after what happened in Pentecost, and Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus. He's talking to the new Christians in Ephesus, and look what he says in Acts chapter 19. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Some of you are coming to church, some of you are watching online, and you're going, Doris, I've never heard about this before. This is the first time you're hearing that you need more than three baptisms that Jesus and the Holy Spirit put their three baptisms for you to overcome. Then look at verse three. He says, then what baptism did you experience? He asked, watch this. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for the repentance of sin. But John told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus, salvation. His name means Savior. Salvation. Watch this. As soon as they heard, they were baptized. It's that word to immerse, to completely be covered. They were baptized, water baptism, in the name of the Lord Jesus. How many want to guess what happened after that? Verse 6. Then when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they started prophesying, declaring the glory of God. All three are there. People, and I hear some people just believers that you're missing out on some, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It'll give you water in a wasteland, in a desert to comfort, to lead, to empower you. You need this Holy Spirit. People say, well, I just don't believe it's for today. Well, here's the problem with that. Do you know that over 19 million Jesus followers are experiencing the baptism in the power of the Holy Spirit and releasing the language of the Spirit? 19 million a year. Let me put it to you in real numbers. That means 54,000 Jesus followers today are going to experience the infilling power of the Holy Spirit just like through the whole book of Acts and by the year 2025 there'll be over 1 billion spirit filled Jesus followers on the planet earth why because Jesus said this is my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because it is full of the power of the Holy Spirit okay I'm coming in for a landing so pastor I want this how do I receive this if you want New Testament power, just follow the scripture and look at the pattern. Here's the pattern, just simple. These people were saved and gave their life to Jesus Christ. They weren't perfect people because it's not how holy you are, it's how hungry you are. The Holy Spirit will help you with the holy that you can't fix with your own personal life. They were saved. Number two, they were just hungry for everything Jesus said they had. They were desperately saying, what every 500 saw him ascend into heaven. You think they'd listen to him, but only 120 made it to the upper room. What happened to the others? Because there are some people that are just desperate to receive from God. They were hungry for things of God. And then the Bible shows us that when they received by faith, they received the infilling power of the Holy Spirit, 
and they begin to praise God. The first physical thing that began to happen, they begin to praise God in that language of the Spirit, begin to commune with God, spirit to spirit. You say, well, that, that, that just, that doesn't, that sounds so difficult. No, no, no. How many are saved in this room, giving your life to Jesus? All right, great. This is what the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 tells us that with your heart you believe and with your mouth you confess. Or you sign it. You confess. That's your confession. Can I just tell you something? No one can force your mouth open to make that confession. You have to open your mouth and begin to speak. So here's the deal. Like salvation, one receives the baptism in the Holy Spirit and releases the prayer language by faith. You by faith believed, and you by faith begin to speak. You say, but pastor, does that mean that I don't have the Holy Spirit? No, you have the Holy Spirit. How many know you have the Holy Spirit when you get, when you get uh, born again? Holy Spirit's what seals your salvation. So, so what's the difference? There's a gift of power. It would be like this. It'd be like me sitting in my office here at the church, and they walk past the receptionist, and a guy walks in, just goes by, goes to the office, goes right into my office, office sits right there. He resides in my office and sits in my, at my sofa and just does this with an envelope. And I'm thinking, you're a pretty rude person just to come into my office and not even say, hey, can I see Pastor Sam? You're just pretty rude. But he's tapping an envelope like this, just like this, like this. Finally, my phone rings after ignoring him for a half an hour, and somebody says, did a man just walk into your office, Pastor Sam, by chance with an envelope? Did that just, just happen a moment ago? Did that, did that just happen ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who has the envelope? Well, he has the envelope. And frankly, it's quite annoying because he's just tapping it. I can't hear from God. Who has the envelope? He has the envelope. Well, is, is he there? Yeah, he's resident in my office right now with his annoying envelope. Well, Pastor Sam, who, you don't have that? No, he has the envelope, I said. Well, what's the big deal about the envelope? Well, he's resident there with you. He is in your office, but inside that envelope is a check for Grand Rapids First for $3 million. Who has the envelope? Well, he has it. I don't have that gift. So as long as he has it and I don't have it, there will be things he can do with the $3 million that I can't do with the three men because I don't have the gift. They say, Pastor, do you think there's some things you could do with $3 million for your church? Are there things we could do for the kingdom with $3 million? But you can't do them right now, can you? No, we can't do them right now. Why can't you do them right now? Because well, he's got the envelope. He says, well, Pastor, can I behoove you that it's not just enough for him to reside in your office? You need to receive that gift. The Holy Spirit comes in you, but he's tapping an envelope of the power that you need to tap into, and there are things you're not able to do to build out, to grow, to witness, and he's saying, why don't you reach out and receive that gift and take it? Take it. And there are things some of us are not doing and receiving because we're not taking the gift because somebody told you all you need are two. No, he says, I want you to have all three to walk in my fullness and display my glory. And if you want to come to my office, I'll let you come in. Amen. Anytime if you've got $3 million. Amen. Just want, just want to tell you that. Just a, little, just a little note there for a second. But I'm going to tell you something. Here's the deal. Some of you think it's just enough just to get saved. No, 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 no. He's resonant. The Holy Spirit's in you. But I'm going to tell you, there's a gift of the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said to be filled with. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't just need him to be resident. You need him to be president. And when you have a president with you, how many know a president has authority that resident Sam Rifle does not have? I don't have access to the military might. 
I don't have access to a button that you can just all of a sudden start a war with. I don't have that because I don't have the authority of a president. But can I tell you, when you get born again, he is resident, but he wants to give you authority that you can have weapons against the enemy, against the powers of darkness to overcome and to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, what do you want me to do? I'm so worried, Pastor, because there are some people I've seen who've had this that are just, just weird stuff happens. Let me tell you about those folks real quick. They were weirdos before they got the Holy Ghost. They were weirdos before they got saved, and they were weirdos after they got saved. You know what the thing about it is? Is I know people with a lot of money that are weirdos. But because they're weirdos and they got money, doesn't make me go, oh, I don't ever want money. Why do you pursue the same thing some weirdos with money pursue? You want that money, gift of money, but you don't want the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit. You've heard them say, well, I was just out of control. You got in one of them services. I was out of control. I don't buy it. You're never out of control. You're never out of control. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 32. It says, for the spirit of the prophets, the speaker in tongues, this is for the public use because he's trying to in the public loose, are under the speaker's control and subject by being, to being silenced as may be necessary. <laughs> That's talking about the public use. So what is this saying? It's by faith. When you privately pray, it is by faith that I begin to speak. Isn't it interesting on the day of Pentecost, it says, and they began to speak. Holy Spirit didn't come down there, jack their jaw, flap the tongue, slap their lips. He didn't come and go, no. by faith. Here it is. You must give a voice to the Holy Spirit. I'm so afraid I'm going to be out of, you're not going to be out of control. I don't care if it's one syllable. I don't care if it's two. Just like our little grandson, he's saying words that I don't have a clue what he's saying. Now, I can start deciphering some of them, but his mother knows what those words mean. But you wouldn't know what they mean. You're thinking, that kid needs hooked on phonics is what your grandson needs. <laughs> can I tell you, no one immediately grows in the gift of giving or the gift of teaching or in the gift of praying in the prayer language. You just start releasing those few words in the Holy Spirit and watch him begin to grow you. But what you have to do is give your voice like they did to the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, so pastor, I'm just so afraid I'm going to get out. You're not going to get out of control. Just like when you got saved, no one could force you to get saved, and no one can force you to hunger for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No one can force you to pray in that language. The Holy Spirit is what gives the utterance, but you by faith must begin to speak. People say, well, I'm just afraid someone's going to get out of control. Oh, you know what? Some of these folks out of control. Why is it they always say, well, the Holy Spirit took us, we were out of control. No, you're not out of control. You're out of control. The Holy Spirit is out of control. Why can't they get out of control with other gifts, like the gift of giving? Huh? Motor scooter? Sister, you're going to sit there. I just got to control. They let spirit move. Don't let man control. I, now, I understand that. I just ridiculously, we were at a church, and we just let the Holy Ghost do it, and we just, we just out of control. I, you know, I wish you'd have the gift of giving like that, but you only do it when you want to hijack a service and control it. I've never seen anybody during offering time all of a sudden start going, What's happened to my hand? Oh no, 
Oh no, it's going for my wallet. Oh no, oh no, 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 not Franklin, Washington, Washington, go for the Washington, not the Franklin, not the Franklin. Oh, I can't control myself. Here goes $100. I've never seen that happen ever. In just a moment, we're going to pray. You're not going to perform. You're going to worship Jesus. And here's what I'm going to tell you when we start worshiping. If you're hungry and you know that you're a dry wasteland, I want you to leave one language, the natural. And in that worship, say, Holy Spirit, I want to go from my spirit to your spirit and begin to bless my Lord. You're going to start worshiping him. You're going to start praying in the spirit. You're going to start praying the will of the Father. You're going to experience a level, young lady, of freedom in your mind and in your spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you power to be like Jesus. How many are hungry for more of Jesus? Come on, kid.